All right, everybody. In this episode of The Nitty Gritty, we have Robin Warner. She is probably better known as a fly on my wall on Instagram. But Robin is inspirational. She's hilarious. She's powerful. And in this episode, she'll actually share her story about how she was sexually assaulted as a freshman in college that nearly cost her her life. But she talks about kind of her journey from surviving to triumph and how it led her to starting her own dance studio, which she pretty much did overnight. She recently sold it so she could have more time and focus to work on her new project. And honestly, we love her because she is unapologetically real. And if you follow her on Instagram, you know exactly what we're talking about. So let's just, let's do it. Let's get down to the nitty gritty with Robin. All right, guys, welcome to the nitty gritty. Today we have Robin Warner with us. What's up, everybody? Robin, you might know her more if you follow her on Instagram as a fly on my wall, which we will definitely get to on how in the world that name came to be. I know. It's pretty random. But Robin has a really fun story. Maybe not fun. Powerful story is probably a better word about. Well, based on what I've seen so far, I bet there's some fun parts. Oh, yeah. Robin is fun. She is fun. The story. Right. Well, I'm just saying there's probably some fun parts. For sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some fun parts. <laughs> so, like Robin. when I ripped his balls off and then I like gouged his eye out. Those are all really you. fun. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. Right there, you know. So, Robin, <laughs> let's just jump into it. What do most people know you for? Without going into the story, what do most people know you for? Um, most of my family and friends know me for being the girl who will sing Whitney Houston at the top of my lungs in the middle of a movie theater. <laughs> yes. And then most of my Instagram community knows me as the girl who gives you safety tips, but will also dance in her robe without a bra on. (laughs) So a a little bit of everything. Awesome. Yeah. Now, let's just start with where did the fly on the wall? Where did that name come from? So I wasn't on social media for years. Okay. I was that person that was like, I hate it. I don't want to ever do it. I like my life to be private. And about a year ago, I have been speaking to thousands of women in social media and I was owning a business at a time and I had people tell me all the time, like, I just want to know what it's like to be a fly on your wall. Like you run this huge business, you're running a household, you're speaking on self-defense, you're really funny. Like, I I wish I could be a fly on your wall. And so I kind of started realizing like I could probably spread my message a little faster and more to the masses if I had an Instagram. So I told my sister and I was like, I'm going to start an Instagram. And she's like, oh, that's strange. Like you hate Instagram. And I'm like, yeah. And in a year, I'm going to have a huge, I'm going to have a huge platform. She's like, yeah, right, whatever. So when I got a hundred followers, I was like stoked. Like I couldn't believe that I had a hundred people. And over the year, I've really worked hard at it. And I have a really awesome community behind me. And I've thought about changing my name because it's kind of random, but you really kind of see what's it like to be a fly on my wall. Like I post normal life. I post serious stuff. I post funny stuff. And it's a good mix because I am a really funny person, but I don't want to have to try to be funny every day. I want you to take me serious when I have something serious to talk about. I want you to um, laugh when it's time to laugh and then cry when it's time to cry. So it's really, I just kind of post my day to day along with my self-defense. And for whatever reason, it's a good combo and people really like it. 
So why did you originally get off of it? Were you pretty heavy on Instagram before you kind of took your hiatus? It was kind of new and I had, it was more of just like a personal journal, like posting pictures. And I, a couple of reasons, I kind of started getting, um, like addicted. I was spending way too much time on it and I just knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to be wasting my time on. And I was in a time of my life where I was really comparing myself to other people. I hadn't found self-love yet. And I just, it wasn't healthy for me. And so I was just like, I just, I don't want to do it at all. I'm kind of all in or all out. So I'm like, I hate Instagram and everyone else should too. So I just (laughs) got off for years. And then it was really shocking when I came back on and people were kind of like, what Robin's here. And she's showing us all her whole life. Like I didn't hold anything back, which is funny from going like, like I live in a cave. No one knows anything about Robin. And now you can basically find out anything you'd like to know on my Instagram. What took you to that point? Like what was there a moment that just was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just opening up the window. Let everybody look in or opening up the door. Yeah. I, I can't remember the exact point. I just remember thinking like I am busting my balls every week, going to all these events or churches or schools talking about self-defense and it's just me. And I'm only talking to either that 20 to 500 people. And I could be doing this. Like I want everyone to hear this. This is really important. And I was like, well, what's the fastest way to spread a message? And I was like, oh, it's social media. And I hate (laughs) social media. So I figured that's what I needed to do. And then at the same time, I kind of challenged myself like, well, if I'm going to do it, I want to be serious. So like I instantly bought courses on Instagram on how to build an Instagram. I paid on it as the worst. Like I... I was serious about it and and my family and even take her course. I took her course. Did you really? I loved it. That's probably the best money I've ever invested. Ooh, that's good. Into Instagram. Both Andrew and I bought it. Yep. Yeah. Well, we've had multiple guests that have bought it. I took her first, like her first one and she now has the original, like the next one that I'm just starting, but I learned more on her course than I have in anyone else's courses. And I've taken several and it really worked. Like I, I only have 19,000 followers, but I have about 300,000 people checking in every week. Like I have very, very high impressions and wow. I just followed exactly like what she did with some other things. And I've run a business too. So I have my own ideas, but I took it serious. Like everyone was like, it was very strategic. People just thought I was posting stupid little videos of me dancing and then like a safety tip, but I had it all planned out and I knew going in like, I'm, I'm not just, this isn't a journal. Like if I'm going to spend my time on Instagram, it's going to be worthwhile for everybody. You're very intentional with everything very you intentional. did. So talk about maybe kind of growing up. Where'd you grow up? T- tell me about your family. Yeah, I grew up here in Pleasant Grove, just in Utah County. Um, I came from an LDS family, just like, you know, 99% of the rest of us. Yeah. And I met my husband in high school, Johnny Warner. He was a couple years older than me. He was the kid who supplied all the tobacco and alcohol for Pleasant Grove High School (laughs) because he he had a beard when he was like legit eight years old. So this is Sasquatch that we read about on Instagram. And he is like so quiet and hate, like doesn't love Instagram. So that's why I call him Sasquatch. Like if you see him, you basically saw Bigfoot. It's like like a sighting. It's like a sighting. Like, what is that Sasquatch? (laughs) So I was this like totally like never kissed anyone, little Molly Mormon Robin, then it was Johnny, like the kid who like... (laughs) I'm not kidding. Like bought tobacco when he was 12. He had, he had, a, a full he had to get beard. rid of his dip before he kissed the first time. He, like, he had to like stop before out. he could get baptized. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was awesome. So it was like the total opposite couple, but it just worked. So what attracted you to him? Probably that I knew I wasn't supposed to be around him. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, Johnny, he just is such a hard worker and he's charming and he kind of had that little bad boy vibe that I kind of liked yeah he's awesome my husband's also built his own seven-figure company 
He runs a what trucking does he do? company. A trucking company? Mm-hmm. And he, he works a lot. So, I mean... Does he drive truck? Um, sometimes he still does. We're, like, that's the goal is to get him out. But he's a workaholic. Like, if he sits home, he's like, I'm literally worthless. <laughs> like, he literally... He has to be working. And so it's been a challenge, too. Like, we have a lot of people say, oh, you guys are so spoiled to have what you have. I'm like, I haven't seen my husband in 10 years. Like, he right. works all the time. There's been so many sacrifices to have the things that we're now blessed with but people don't understand if unless you own a business you don't get it everyone just kind of compares that end result and they don't pay attention to the journey or yeah even can maybe even give it credit along the way that's right. why the podcast has been pretty cool because modest shopping said this same thing you know once once you get to the point where people are seeing you they they haven't seen what it took right. to get there and so the podcast has been cool because it kind of gives people a platform to tell that story yeah there's a lot there's I a lot of it. bad, you know, a lot, you got to go through a lot so of that much. stuff to get to, to where you are now. So, yeah. so gro- anyways, I just grew up oh. here. So growing yeah. up, were your parents entrepreneur? I mean, because between you and your husband and the other stuff and you, it's kind of just all you yeah. guys do, right? It's all we do. My dad was an entrepreneur. Okay. He was the guy who owned a bagel factory. He did tea times for golf courses. He like wanted to own an alpaca farm, like literally anything and everything. So he was an entrepreneur. So was that kind of just... You grew up with that? Like, did, you, did all your siblings kind of have that spirit or? No, I'm legitimately the only successful person that came out of my family. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't ever. I'm, I love you all. I'm teasing. We're not editing that out. Just okay. so you know, that's going to be in here. I'm teasing. My brother is a dentist, so he's an entrepreneur <laughs> slash. <laughs> but my sisters, bless their heart. They're, they're in a phase. So they're, they're working, they're working through. I love you guys. Just remember that. Oh, that's so um, awesome. Yeah. They're in a phase. They're, they're in a phase, but um, they'll get there. I mean, you could always be successful. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So your story kind of takes a turn about 10 years ago. Yep. So well, 11 years ago. Yeah. 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. So what happened? So I was down at college. Um, I had just moved out. It was my freshman year of college. Again, I was born here in Utah where everyone feels like we're a little safer than we really are. And I was born, my mom was really kind of actually a little bit paranoid, cautious. Like we always had our doors locked. I knew I should be safe and I never had ran alone. And I was down there. I was like, I moved out. I'm going to be, you know, independent. I was dancing on my college university team. I wanted to be a dental hygienist and life was What school? Sorry, where were you? I was down at SUU. SUU, okay. Yep. Cedar City. You've probably never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, I've driven through there. It's basically because I didn't get into BYU. So that's where I had to go. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so I was down there and I liked to run, but I had never run by myself. I asked my roommate if she'd come with me and she's like, yeah, let's meet home at noon. We got home. She bailed and I was like, I am 18. It's the middle of the day in Cedar City, Utah, where like, if you steal donuts, you have a felon. Like no one (laughs) gets hurt there. And so I was like, I'm going to run by myself. So I got ready that day a little different than I normally do. And I was running on a trail, which is really similar to the Provo River Trail. But the difference is... I've never felt safe on the Provo River Trail. It's overgrown. You hear creeps all the time. People always get hurt there. Well, this was a trail similar that it ran perpendicular with the highway and there was a river in between, but it was new. There wasn't bushes overgrown. No one had ever gotten hurt. So I felt safe and I walked to the trail and as I got there, I started running and I realized I had forgotten my cell phone and I had a feeling to go home and get it. And I was like, no, I've already walked here 20 minutes. I'm going to keep running kept running the spirits like go get your cell phone didn't listen go get your cell phone didn't listen and then it like stopped me in the track go home get your cell phone right now so i turned around it took about a half hour to get home i got my cell phone and i remember thinking like oh i bet a cute boys text me like i didn't recognize it 
as the spirit telling me to get my cell phone. Got home. The cute boy had texted me. So I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not even going to go running. It's already been an hour. But my coach for the dance team, we had certain miles we had to run. And I was like, I better get it done. So I went back. And this time I didn't feel the same as I did the first time. I felt weird, like something was going to happen. And I kept having this feeling that wild horses were going to come down and trample me, which is so random. You felt that wild horses were going to come down? Yeah. Like so specific. A Palladino horse (laughs) with a mane that's yellow. No, I actually was there a few weeks before and wild horses had run down. And so I kept being like, what if I get trampled? So I started running. I had my cell phone and I came around the corner and I saw this thing coming really fast and I thought it was a horse so I jumped into the bushes and it was just a kid on a longboard and he got off because I'm literally laying in the bushes he's like hey are you okay I'm like yeah I'm so totally fine I just like dropped something like so embarrassed he's like what's your name we exchanged names he's like are you sure you're cool I'm like I'm cool and he got in his car and left and he's kind of important later on kept running there's tons of people on the trail as I got further and further I realized like there wasn't as many people but it's like one o'clock in the afternoon And I came around the corner and I saw this man coming down the trail. And instantly I was like, ooh, something feels off here. It was hot outside and he had a beanie on, cargo jacket, backpack, big cargo pants and boots. And I was like, he doesn't seem like something's off. But I kept running. And as I got closer to him, I passed him and I looked over at him. And I remember my heart just dropped. Like when they say you can see someone's like soul through their eyes, like I instantly knew like this was a really, really bad person. And I kept running and I flipped around and he had turned around and was walking up the trail now. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's following me. So I started running a little faster, turned around, he's starting to jog. And it was like this conflict within myself because the spirit is prepping me like, this guy's going to hurt you. But then like your normal self is like, you're fine. It's a running trail. He hasn't touched you. It's a running trail. He has every right to run. So I was like at this battle within myself. So I kept running and I came around the corner and there was some construction on the trail and it actually ended. And so I was like, oh, I've just got to turn around. So I turned around and he was standing at the, he was standing probably like 20 feet down and he had both hands in his pockets and he was just laughing, like laughing at me. And I, I was like, oh my, oh my gosh, like what's happening? And I had a feeling to call 911. And I remember being like, I'm not going to call 911. Like you don't call 911 unless you're dead, you know, right. like you just didn't call 911. And the spirit was like, dial it right now and press send. So I did. I pulled out my phone and I called 911 and I just figured I'm going to run as fast as I can back down the trail because I have nowhere to go. To my right is like the river and to my left is just sagebrush and trees. And I'm going to run as fast as I can. I'm going to pass him and I hope I'm just going to run right past him. So I I called 911 and I started running as fast as I could. And right when I passed him, he just grabbed me by the neck and threw me to the floor. Mike tackled me and I remember my phone flew out and you're kind of in shock for a minute. But the first thing that came to my mind was when I was 12 years old in a young woman's class. I had this lady come and she vaguely gave us the most basic self-defense class ever. And I remember sitting next to my friend and I said, we will never need this. I literally said that. And I look back, I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. That's why this happened to me. I cursed myself. And immediately her voice said, yell your name and your location. So I started screaming, Robin Williams Canyon Trail. My name was Robin Williams. Can you believe my parents named me that? What? Robin Williams. (laughs) Yeah. So it was great. It was great when I got married. Anyway, so I started yelling. Robin Williams Canyon Trail, I'm being attacked. I didn't know if 911 had picked up. I didn't know, but I just started yelling it as loud as I could. And we struggled. There were so many times I tried to get away, which is different than fighting back. And that's what I like to teach women. Like, if I would have known what to do, I probably wouldn't have been attacked. Or if I still was, I would have gotten away immediately instead of been with him for several, several minutes. So we struggled. And so many times I would stand up and he'd yank my ponytail back down and my face would hit the asphalt. And we struggled for a long time and he finally picked me up and started taking me through the woods. And I remember 
learning, like never leave your location. Like if someone's trying to attack you or kidnap you, never leave. So I arched my back and I kicked and I squirmed and I spit and I did whatever he could. So he couldn't, I couldn't get too far off the trail. And we struggled. He kept trying to get in his backpack. Um, he sexually assaulted me and there was, we just, it was horrible. And I knew whatever was in his backpack was bad because he just really kept trying to get in there. So I'd kick it or throw it. Anyways, towards the end of the struggle, he was laying on top of me and he was strangling me. And I remember I was losing consciousness consciousness, and I kept thinking, I hope my parents find my body. Like I remember saying that to myself, like I hope my parents find my body because I knew he was going to kill me. And he was finally able to get in his bag and he pulled out a knife and um, tried to slit my throat. And I was pushing him against and I quickly said a prayer and I said, Heavenly Father, please help me. I don't know what to do. I've tried so hard to get away. I need help. And I felt that my right hand was free and I was told to rip off his balls. And I remember being like, uh-uh, I've never seen those, never touched those. Like, I've only kissed Johnny Warner. I am not touching those. <laughs> That's what I did. I went for it and he let go of my throat and I sat up and I was told to gouge out his eye. And so I stuck my finger and I scratched and I even was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Because they just come right out. Right. And oh. just came right out. Hold on, you poked his eyes out? Gouged his eye out. So the eyeball came out is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh and I literally was like, gosh. oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, You I, said that? Yes. That's the funniest part of the story is I apologize. And I stood up and I started running and I turned around and he grabbed my hand one last time and I knew that this was my last, my last chance. And so I flipped around and I fish hooked his cheek and it split just a tiny little bit and he hit the ground and I started running as fast as I can. And I remember while I was running, all these green trees are flashing past me. I'm not dressed. I'm bloody. And I'm like, if the SUU track coach could see me right now, he would recruit. Like, I was thinking that after this traumatic experience over and over again. Anyways, I get down and there's Casey, the longboarder. And it had been an hour. And he's kind of a scary looking dude. And he was like, Robin, stop. Because he had talked to me. He knew my name. And I wasn't dressed. And I was beat up, bloody. And he's like, what happened to you? And I was like, there's two of them. Like, I saw him get in his car and leave. There's two of them. Why is he here? And he put his hands up to stop. And I said, I don't trust you. Throw me your cell phone. So he threw me his cell phone. I went down through the ravine and like crawled up onto the highway and called 911 again, which were almost there. They had heard me, but it's a 20 mile trail. So they had started at the very bottom of the trail and they were driving up. So I would have, they would have found me within like five minutes. And the reason Casey's important is because he had gone all the way down to pizza factory, sat down for lunch with his fiance and said, I need to go back up to the trail. I want to go longboarding one more time. And his fiance was like, I'm not going to marry you. Like so upset. Well, he came back and he ended up showing the police where my attacker was because he had started running after me. And then when he saw when I met with Casey, he turned around and started hiding in the woods and Casey followed him like so brave. He followed fo him. He followed the attacker. He followed the attacker and the police. He led the police to where they were because because he was like hiding in these like little caves. And I got to meet with Casey later and I said, you know what? Thank you so much for listening to the spirit. If it wasn't for you, like we wouldn't have found this guy and my life would be probably living in fear. And he said, you know, I'm atheist. I don't believe in anything. He's like, but something told me to go back and I need to reevaluate what that was. And so it was a really cool experience that we all have a spirit or a conscience or something um, that tells us inside. And we just really need to trust that. Anyways, it turns out that my attacker had just been out of prison for sexually assaulting four women. He had served his time. Just, he'd only been out a couple days and he had a stopped. A couple days? Mm -hmm. A couple days. He hitchhiked from the point of the mountain. He stopped at the Jordan River Trail, the Provo Trail, all different trails here in Utah and ended up in SUU. So I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But um, he gave a full confession that he was 
his he was planning to rape and murder me and in his backpack he had like shoelaces tied together and he told the judge he was gonna hang me in a noose with his shoelaces and he had these halloween masks and toys and different things and so he got a really you know they went hard on him and then he said i'm incompetent like i'm crazy which drives me nuts i'm like that's one more reason why you should put them in longer so we had to wait a year and he had to do the full competency check um and so did you go to any of the trials i actually didn't have to because they had so much evidence he gave a full confession they had it all on audio because i recorded it which is like such a blessing i called 911 like they heard everything so um he ended up getting sentenced 15 years to life so we'll see what happens he's been in there 11 years and i'm hoping he stays there for life Holy wow. cow. So it was crazy as an eight year old. I had to grow up really quick. I was like, oh, we're in Utah, but crap happens. And I immediately started taking self-defense. And within that first year, started teaching it. I got certified. I then created my own course and I've taught it to thousands of women. And I speak on self-defense. Any chance someone will give me. It's so important. You said something. I can't remember exactly. Something like there's a difference between fighting back and trying to get away. Yes. What What is that? It's a huge difference. So I was trying to get away, which means I was standing up. I was, you know, trying to get away. And I wasn't necessarily fighting back. Like um, I could have ripped out his eyeball within 10 seconds and got away. I could have kicked him in the nuts. I could have um, done so many self-defense tactics, but I just didn't know what those were. And so I was just literally trying to get away, like standing up and rolling and trying to get away. And occasionally I'd swing at him. But had I known where to go, I I would have gotten away immediately if I was even attacked. Because now I have the skills to know where all the mistakes that I made. And that's where I teach a lot of women. Like it doesn't matter your size. Because I have a lot of people say, well, I have disabilities. I have an injury. I'm overweight. I'm underweight. It does not matter what size you are. This guy was twice my size. Um, And I still was able to get away. Yeah, I had to go through a lot before I figured out how to do that. But if you know what to do, you can get away instantly. And it's not kicking and punching. We call it breathing and breeding. It's going for any spot where you breathe or where you breed. And anyone can do that. Breathing and breeding. Breeding, yeah. And that's kind of like a fun little slang that we teach kids to. Instead of being like, go for the wiener. You know what I mean? (laughs) We say breeding. Breathe and punch them in the balls. Yeah. But we kind of just relay it like anyone can go to the gym and have an advantage over you. Like you could be stronger than me. You could, you know, pump iron. But you can't strengthen your Adam's apple. You can't strengthen your eyes. You can't strengthen your breeder. Like, so go for those places. Because you're equally as strong as whoever's attacking you if you go for the right places. So I'm just really passionate about any woman who will hear me um, listen. And I've met just myself, hundreds of women who've been raped or molested or abused that have never told anybody. Um, So the the statistic says it's one in four women, but that's bull crap. It's way more than that because that's just what's reported. And it's happening here in Utah all the time. I get DMs, messages. I meet with women all the time, all the time who are having these things happen. And people just think it's not going to happen to them. How did you get like when were you okay talking about it? You know I mean? Like when did you get to that point where, cause you hear a lot that there's like shame at first. Uh-huh. Right. And so like, like what, what was that cycle or process like for you? So my parents came and picked me up straight from the Cedar city hospital, took me home. I left school. I left my dance team and I was mortified. I didn't want anyone to know, but by the time I'd already get, gone home, all of present Grove knew about it. It was on the news. I was so shamed. I didn't want anyone to know that I was sexually assaulted. I had only kissed one person. 
I didn't want anyone to know I even had seen or touched those body parts or I had been touched in the, you know what I mean? And so I was mortified. I actually didn't even tell my family a lot of the sexual assault details for a really long time because I was really embarrassed and shame, shamed about it. And um, I remember my mom saying like, we need to get you into therapy. Like that's something you need to do. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone about this. But on the flip side, I was kind of prideful. I'm like, I don't need to talk to therapy. Mom, I just ripped his freaking eye out. Like I'm fine, you know? And I remember the police chief in Cedar City called my mom and said, I will drive up there and take her to her first session. Like she has got to go. Um, it's really important. So they kind of forced me into it and I fought it for a long time. Like I'm a stubborn person, but I realized that by talking about it, you actually do heal. And I found that that was my golden ticket by talking about it. I healed tremendously. And so within probably the first six months, I did my first local church group speaking about it. And I just realized that it was like a catalyst into helping me heal. And that's why I keep doing it. I do it for free and I just, it just keeps me healing and it feels like my way to give back that I was spared. And I just feel it's really important. So if someone isn't at that point yet willing to talk about it, like what kind of things can you offer as advice to maybe help someone get there? I think just talking to someone who's been through it. I meet a lot of women who think, you know, like, I'll never be the same. They took something from me. I'm going to be scared my whole life. And when they see me living a normal life, a funny life, I have, I married a husband. I have kids. I'm funny. Like I have fun all the time. Um, it's actually helped a lot of people know that like, this doesn't define you. Like I tell people all the time, and this is the truth. It feels like it's not me most of the time. I personally believe in something called the atonement and forgiveness and I use that and it's literally like it was picked up and I talk about her all the time but it's gone like I don't want that to define me and there's so many moments in our life that can define us and like that was 11 years ago I gotta live my life it's really easy to find those events and and fall victim to them right and have them affect you whether it's a sexual assault, it can be all sorts of things. And we've talked about different mental health issues, or for some, it could be a death. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all sorts of events in your life. And what's awesome is kind of, you took control of that, right? Like you get to take control of the narrative. You get to take control. You don't have to just react to what's going on in you. Right. Um, Something you told me though, is stood out after I hear this story. You said you forgave the guy. I did. How and when? So I remember, and this is like the most emotional part for me. Um, my little granny said, Robin, you never have to forgive him. He did the most horrible thing to you, never have to forgive. And she was totally wrong. I did. And I really, truly did. But forgiveness doesn't mean that I ever want to see him again or that what he did was right or that he'll ever be welcome in my life. I think people misconception that like you forgave him. Forgiveness is really two sided. Like by me forgiving, I was able to move on. Um, so selfishly, I kind of did it for me too. Um, and I hope he stays in there and I hope he serves his sentence. So no one else has to be victim of him, but forgiveness helped me more than probably him. And I was able to move on. And so it it was hard. Like that's probably the hardest part is forgiving someone who, who could do something like that. And this was a random stranger. I can't imagine if it was a loved one or a boyfriend or my dad. And that's happening way more than a random stranger. Like for you to get picked off the side of a trail by a psychopath is 
very slim. Yeah. But for you to be sexually assaulted, raped, or abused by a loved one is very high. That's what's happening most. And so that's actually the hardest part. And I talk a lot of, even though that wasn't my experience, um, a lot of the things I teach can help those victims or those potential targets. And my heart goes out to them for giving someone that they actually know. Yeah. That would be really hard. My mission president gave me an example of forgiveness that's always stood with me. And it goes right along with what you said. He's like, if someone robs you, you can forgive them. But that doesn't mean you're going to sleep with your door open. Right. You can still lock your doors at mm -hmm. night. And that doesn't change the fact that you forgave that person. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so I think that's so important that to get to that point. But that doesn't mean that you stay open to being hurt again. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to be open. He's. I'm never going to see him again. I hope he serves his sentence. But you can still forgive without being a target or being vulnerable again. Yeah. Well, I'm just speechless right now. It, I mean, that, I mean, I applaud your strength. It, it's amazing what you've, especially what you've been, my oldest, I've got two daughters and I think about this stuff all the time. It was so funny. The other night I was, I was like tickling Taya, my oldest, she's 12 and she's like her mom. Like if I tickle my wife, she gets just violent. Oh, I me mean, too. like scary, violent. <laughs> And I'm just, it's, I had that thought. I'm sitting there like messing around with Taya and she starts kicking me. I, it hurts so bad. Did she go for the good spot? No, she oh, just kicked dang. me in the ribs. She didn't oh go God. for the breeder? She didn't go for no, the breeder? No, no, she hasn't That's been, be she's learning right about now. breathing and breeding or breather <laughs> and breeder tonight. Yeah. It, it just, it, it's funny when she kicked me that, that way, I realized just how how much you could fight back if you know, like to hear this is so educational for me because I want my daughters to know this stuff because I know how strong she is. Yeah. And as just a little scrawny 12 year old, I mean, especially you add that adrenaline in. Oh, hundred percent. And I kind of want to rewind that the, so knowing what you know now, you were talking about, you know, getting away or fighting back mm -hmm. what's the right thing to do is it fight back yeah it's fight back okay 100 percent. we do teach in our self-defense course compliance and that means if for whatever reason you feel like you do need to go with them or whatever then just know that we support that decision and that's that's okay but it's it should be fight back for example i met a victim who was being sexually assaulted and she was fighting back and all of a sudden she felt the spirit tell her to stop. So she did. And her attacker ran off and they later found out that he was motivated by the fight. Mm. And so the second she stopped, he was uninterested. Oh, um, and wow. so that's just case by case. It's very rare. And I always tell everyone self-defense is, I, I get people really specific questions like, what if it's February 23rd and he shows up in a black Harley and he's like, so I'm like, there's a million things you can do to fight back. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of stuff to put in your arsenal and then you can use it however you see fit. And there's, there's not a wrong or a right way. Just fight back. Um, but if you don't fight back, we always like to send the message that like, we love you. That's okay. That was your choice, but For we're sure. empowering people to fight back. You know, the other thing that I find really interesting is, is the brain. You know, the brain is, it's amazing how much the brain does on its own. Mm -hmm. You know, like sometimes we can't tell the brain what to do, right? I have ADHD. I talk about it all the time. And, you know, we don't produce dopamine like the neurotypical, you know, person. And right. so when the brain wants some dopamine, it's just like, hey, go steal something or <laughs> go do yeah. something to get a rush. But what when I hear this story, the, the other thing that really stood out to me was you kicking the bag away. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're, you're in that moment and 
you didn't have training in this no. at that time. Right. But what, you know, what, what do you think, what, what was happening in your brain or where did that come from? I mean, you seem like a very intuitive person, uh-huh. a strong willed person, but it's amazing that in that moment you could tell he wanted something in that bag and you kicked that bag away. Right. Like, it's interesting because when we talk about in my self-defense lectures that I give, we talk about at one point, like what happens if they pull out a weapon and um, we talk about, you still choose to fight because I had three scenarios when he pulled out the knife and tried to slip my throat. I could have either fought and got away. I could have either fought and died or I could have just died. So like, what's the best scenario? It's always fighting. Right. But if I, that was towards the end, if he would have pulled out the knife initially, I would have been very scared. So I think at that point, he'd already sexually assaulted me. He'd already punched me and slapped me and hit me. Like I knew whatever was in the bag. Nothing to lose. Yeah. I got nothing to lose. Like he, he was obviously really intentive. I'm trying to get in that bag. And I was like, he's already doing the most horrible things to me. What else could be in that bag? Like, what does he need from there? And so I just kind of intuitively know, like, don't let him get in that bag. Is there, is there anything that, you know, I don't know whether it has to do with personality or how people are raised, but is there, are there people that just, do you think that that is a, a typical response or do most people just, cause you know, when you hear a story like this, I could just kind of picture myself just like, just giving up or shutting down. Like, is it adrenaline? Like it, what, what keeps the wheels turning? Because, I mean, it is crazy to hear, like, you get to that point where it's just like, you know what? There's nothing to lose. Right. Let's kick it into the next gear and get going. But Totally. Adrenaline? I mean, I think it's, I think it's your basic survival instinct. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, doesn't that come from, I, I feel like adrenaline is a really interesting thing. Oh, right? adrenaline's for sure. Real. I'm, n- like, I'm not joking. I, I was, like, seven miles up the trail. I, this is not an exaggeration. I made it down in those seven miles, like, in, like, four-minute miles. I've never ran faster in my life. That's incredible. Like I literally could only see green, like flashing past. Like, well, you hear the stories of like real. people like lifting cars mm-hmm. yeah, on their own. Like for sure. It, again, it's the brain, right? The brain knows what the body needs, what needs. To, I mean, oh yeah. So it would be interesting to do a little research and find out what chemically is happening up there to give you clarity to just tell you, like, listen. I mean, it's the spirit too. We yeah. Tell, but not everybody believes right. that way, and yeah. so. I'm sure there's kind of a scientific way to prove, but that that part of the story really stood out to me because it's like your brain did kick into another yeah. gear, right? I think it definitely adrenaline for sure, and and a very small bit of personality too. Because I've met people sure. who maybe don't have as big of a drive to fight back, or they're not as feisty, and that's actually what we like. You have to sometimes teach people to be feisty, right? Like a lot of the women I, I train, call it confidence. Yeah, confidence. Yeah, you know, like. Because that's what stood out to me as I sit back is you were confident enough in your abilities. Mm-hmm. Not that you had any training, right. but you were still confident enough to try. Right. Where so many people, I think, lack that confidence, feistiness. 100%. And they're like, you know what? Even if I try, I'm, gonna I'm not going to win anyway. So right. I might as well not even try. That's one of the biggest thing when I talk with women. Everyone's like, I'm. they always have an excuse. I'm not strong enough. I have an injury. I'm not trained. And I'm like, you have everything you need. You just need to have the confidence to do it. And so by speaking to, um, I try to instill confidence in them. Like you can do it. Anyone can do it. I was this 18 year old, hundred pound, 18 year old. He was six to 230 pounds. Like I had all the odds against me, but you can do it. And yeah, I, I definitely got hurt and I made some, you know, I could have done it better. And that's why I'm here to teach you. Like, don't go through all that. Let me teach you what to do. 
what's awesome is you look at these parallels because everything is the power of the mind. You can tell yourself the confidence to do it and also just to act. Right. The fact that you took action right. on what you were thinking and feeling. You know, you're confident you could do what you did. So when you do look at these other things you've done in your life, like starting businesses and mm -hmm. having kids and families, you know, it's like, sure, it's all, it's different, but still very similar. A hundred percent. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what's so fun is when you hear these stories, it's like, yeah, like maybe I haven't been sexually assaulted before, you know, but it's like everyone will, everyone will have their own journey. Everyone will have their own version of that. And you're going to, everyone's going to have to make that decision at one time or another in their life. Am I going to fight back? Right. Or am I going to give up? Yeah. And it might not be life or death. It mm -hmm. might not be sexually. Right. It might be, uh, who knows what it's going to be, right? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, any, just, are you going to fight? I mean, in 10 years of marriage, we've almost been divorced 10 times. Are we going to fight for this marriage? Yes or no? There's a choice. In my business, am I going to fight for this business? You know, there's, you'll always have to fight mm -hmm. and I choose to fight. Well, and you took on a whole bunch. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about this now. It's like you're taking them all on, right? Like you didn't just fight back against that asshole. Yeah. Like you're fighting back against everything. Every person that you talk to. Sorry. Don't apologize. Um, you know, I guess I just picture you like you're fighting back against everybody that has heard your voice from then till now and in the future. You're right there fighting with them. 100%. And I mean, that is that is powerful. Well, thank you. And it's funny because sometimes, I mean, even I have self-doubt. Like, just the other day, I was like, do you think people, like, care about this message? Because self-defense is heavy. And I'll, I'll post something on self or on my page that's, like, a dumb video. And it's shared 300,000 times. And then I'll post something about self-defense, and it's v way less, like, I'm like, why are people, and I get frustrated. I'm like, this is why it's important. I'm doing this right. funny crap because life still has to be fun and light, but like, this is what's serious. And so I even question, like, do people hear this message? But then I'll, and then I think back of the personal people that I have got to talk with after I get messages. Like you came to my ward 10 years ago and I listened and I was sexually assaulted and I got away. Like wow. that's when it starts realizing that like, that's got to be the most gratifying yeah. thing because you literally, you saved that person life. Literally. And that's what I tell people on my social media. And I wish that they could be here in this room because you can feel it. I'm like, this saves lives. A hundred percent. That lady, when I was 12 years old, who taught me three things, yell your name and your location. Don't leave. And I actually, I don't even, I guess it was two things. She saved my life. She did. Does she know that? I don't know who it is. You don't? I have no idea who it is. That would be so interesting I know. to figure that out. I know. Which is why I think what you're doing and when jenna told me just a little bit about obviously i didn't have any of these details but i was like we have got to get her on the podcast because everyone needs to hear this they do you know, everyone everyone can and should benefit from this and what i love about what you're doing it's it reminds me of that starfish poem right when the kids throw in the starfish in the water yep. and an old guy comes along and says there are hundreds if not thousands of these what are you doing you're never going to save all of them right and he picks up one throws it in. he's like well made a difference for that one yeah and that's what I, like, I, ha I have friends who are like, why don't you charge to speak? Because I've never, I've spoken to like four or 500 different events. I've never charged. And I said, because what if I charged and this one group didn't have me come and I could have saved someone's life? 100%. Like, if, if it just saved one person's life, like it was enough. Yeah. And sometimes I have to pay 
to get babysitters. My husband's working. I have to pay to travel to Nevada and I'll, I'll do it because it's important. Well, hopefully your story continues to get out. And I think that will be a natural progression of what will happen with you. Um, but as you, as you started your Instagram kind of community, when you started it, did you know that this is why you wanted to start it to be able to do this? It, was that not, kind of your why when you got into it? Not fully. My why was really complicated in that like 10 seconds I impulsively got an Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I, I can't really remember, but really quickly within like the first week, I was like, wow, people already like, welcome back, commenting. And all these people from like out of the woodworks I didn't talk to years were commenting and, oh, it's so good to see you again. And I'm like, wow, people are actually on this platform. Like, I guess I didn't realize how influential Instagram could be. And I was like, well, I'm traveling around speaking, which is the most important thing right now. Why don't I do that here? And so I've kind of messed around and found a good rhythm of how much people can handle of that. And then like my rest of my life to keep it fun and light and just real. So like if someone isn't following you, one, they're going to start right now. <laughs> yeah. They'll be in for a while. Go, ride. go and find her at a fly on my wall. Check it out. What can they expect to find when, when they follow you? So every two weeks, Tuesday, I call it tip Tuesday and fight back Friday. I always share tips. So like you'll always see them on Tuesday and Friday. Um, and then the rest of it is just like my real life. Like, I owned a dance studio. I owned a, a big, large business. So that was a huge part of my life for a long time. And I just closed that chapter. So I've my Instagram is kind of watching me um, transition into my new role of like literally not cool anymore. Like I'm just a mom. <laughs> and so that's the most important job. So um, I just had a baby. He's three weeks old. And so Aww. he's brand new. So they see a lot of that. I have like a segment called thoughts with your breast friend Robin while I'm breast <laughs> while I'm breastfeeding because I'm doing that every 20 seconds and people think that's fun and just kind of everything literally everything it's the reason I like a fly on my wall because it's like it's not narrowing me to like I can talk about whatever I want and that's why I love it so you'll always for sure get the self-defense and then you'll always for sure get whatever the heck I want to talk about that day so when did you know I want to jump into the business side what was it how did you start it why did you start it um, like my dance studio. Yeah. So I wanted to be a dental hygienist. So I worked at dental offices all my life, got all my prereqs for school. And then Johnny and I, he, he was like, do we really want to go to hygiene school? That's another like $300,000. Were you guys married at that time? Mm -hmm. Okay. And he's like, let's just start having kids. And so I had my first baby quit the dental office. And within three, three months, I don't know if it was just like a mix of, I was wackadoodle hormones or I was bored, but I was like, I'm gonna start a dance studio. I mean, I always danced. I danced in college and I used to play dance studio as a kid. Like I wanted to own a dance studio, but I thought that's not lucrative. You have to have a crap ton of money to start that. Like I probably wouldn't ever be able to do that. So I had this crazy idea and I said, Johnny, I wanna start a dance studio. And he is my most supportive, biggest fan. He's never doubted me. He's like, okay, yeah, cool. I don't think he really thought I'd do it. And then I go tell my mom and dad, they're like, no, absolutely not. I tell friends and family, no, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, screw you. Johnny said, yeah. So the <laughs> next day, literally the next day, like it was just a casual, I'm like, hey, babe, what do you think about me opening a dance studio? He's like, yeah, cool. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I signed a lease the next day. The next the day? The next day. I went out and found, I found a building and I came home and I said, I, f I, f I signed a five-year lease. And Johnny's like, what the hell? Oh like, my gosh. okay, we're doing this. And here's the thing. Not listening. Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing is that dance studios kind of, um, they have a certain start 
point and end point. So most dance studios start in August. Well, this was July 20th. And so I had like two weeks to get started. And I busted my balls. I am not kidding. I didn't leave my house. I YouTubed how to make a website. I made one. I YouTubed like, what's a merchant service? Didn't even know about that. I didn't know anything about business. I don't have a business degree. I knew everything about teeth. And I opened <laughs> my doors and I had 10 students to start. And How did you find those 10? They were my nieces and nephews. Okay. <laughs> or not nephews, my nieces. So 10 students. Um, I had to take out a loan. I had no money. We were. I was 22. And within the year, I had paid my loan off. I had a hundred students, which I thought was awesome. Within that year, I outgrew that and had to figure out how to get out a five-year lease. And then I moved within one year to a 12,000 square foot um, studio and had 500 students. Like it, I just Jeez. blew, but I, but I was again, very, wow. very strategic. Like I remember, cause I was working in a dance studio before. And every time I would tell someone where I worked, they're like, I've never heard of that. And it was a studio that had been around for 20 years. And I said, I never want them to not know of Aspire. So I used that loan money to market. I sponsored Pleasant Grove High School, Lone Peak High School, every local elementary school, because I just wanted them to see my name. Because, you know, it takes seven times to see someone's name before they know it. So if you were to ask someone, hey, have you heard of Aspire? They say, yeah, but they wouldn't know anything about it. And it just grew. I've definitely seen Aspire. Yeah. But yeah, didn't know anything about it. Yeah. So I was like, I don't care if they know anything good or bad, but I want them to know it. And so, cause when you walk in and you see like a big, huge banner, you're like, Oh, they're legit. Literally they know I have 10 students. You know yeah. what I mean? And so it just, <laughs> just grew. Fake it till you make and, it. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. And it grew fast and I hired a ton of employees and I ended up having 30 employees and it was a good run. What was the scariest point of your journey? The scariest point of my journey was deciding to sell it. Really? Mm -hmm. Scarier than getting it started or signing 100%. the lease? I was I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally was fearless. I was like, whatever, yeah, uh -huh, I'll take that loan, yeah, cool, whatever. I just, I, did, I was l totally naive and crazy. Do you credit any of that to surviving your, your assault? I actually, I kind of think it, it ties in the sense that like, I'm a fighter. Like there was times where like my business started taking turns. I'm like, oh, we gotta, we gotta figure that out, you know? Um, I just... I'm a doer, I'm a goer, I'm a fighter. And I just was like, we're gonna make, like, I don't have any choice, we're gonna make this work. And I did. So the scariest part was selling it because that was like closing a huge chapter of my life. It was, my identity was wrapped up into that. Um, it was also a huge um, financial provider for my family. And so that was the scariest part. Can I, so I gotta circle back a little bit because there's two things that are just like ringing in my head right now from the story that are just, if I don't talk about it, I'll get mad. <laughs> Keep you up at night. So one thing that stu stood out was shame. Like the fact that you felt like you didn't want people to know what happened to you. Yeah. Why, why was that? Where did that come from? Shame, especially in a situation like that, it just comes naturally. Like I've talked to therapists and professional social workers and all these different things. And they say, no matter what, you'll feel shame. Like I really didn't have anything shameful. I didn't do anything wrong. Of course. You know not. what I right. mean? But I, in my mind I did, I was like, I shouldn't have gone running alone. I knew better. I shouldn't have, like, it was my fault. And I'm like, it was not my fault at all. But I immediately thought that like, I it's remember, so hard to get to that point though. Cause after it always happens, that's yeah. the first place everyone goes yeah. is they find reasons to blame themselves 100%. for it. That's the first place everyone, everyone goes. goes. Yeah, I think it's just an unavoidable natural thing. And I remember like I was driving in like the three hour home ride home. My mom was sitting in the back with me and I was just crying and I was just like, I'm so sorry I went running, mom. It was my fault. Like I just totally thought it was my fault. And it took a little while to realize it wasn't. And that's pretty normal. That's a pretty 100%. normal response. I've never met anybody who hasn't felt shame immediately. Right. 
And that's biggest. probably which is the why biggest. no one talks about it. Uh huh. Right. And that's... Which is the biggest influencer is why people never tell anyone and never get help, which breaks my heart. Because I'm like, there is hope, you guys. I literally live a completely normal life. I do not even think about this unless I'm talking about it. Like, but even I'm now, normal. but it doesn't it doesn't bring you into a spiral yeah like, yeah. like, like you're not going to leave here i'm like oh my gosh i forgot about it. you know like no, you're not going to go uh-uh. that way but i think the shame thing i like that you brought it up because i think it happens a lot mental health oh, yeah. anything everyone shames themselves as opposed to just owning what has happened mm-hmm. it doesn't make it good bad right or wrong but it happened right and being able to recognize that say it for what it is you know like with the like, I'll use mental health as an example because I'm, it's kind of on the front of my brain. But a lot of people. Isn't it mental health day today? Yesterday. 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 That, Today's which is girl why, day. Just right. saying. Every day's girl day. Okay. <laughs> That's right. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, but it's like no one wants to talk about it because everyone feels if I wasn't strong enough, mm-hmm. like if I was a better person, if I was stronger, that would have never happened to me. Or right. if I'm battling with this, it's because I'm not good enough in some way. And I think it's just. That's the the stigma. That I think it's being broken. I think it's starting to get better. I think it is too. Um, but it still just it it requires people to talk about it, and it requires you opening up and being willing to work on it as well. Because just talking about it doesn't solve anything. No, right. and it's interesting because ten years ago when I started talking about it, like to say the word rape or sexual assault, like people would literally cringe. And even still, like I even still, especially when I go into the local churches. I have to get approval and they kind of want to hear my dialogue because they don't want to talk about it. I'm like, why can't we say rape? This is happening. Why can't we say sexual assault? Why can't we say breeder? Okay, I'll say breeder instead of penis. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it people don't Kick like Kick him in the dick. It. Yeah, sorry. exactly. Uh, sorry, Bishop. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the peepers. Yeah, yeah, the peepers. People don't like, they actually don't. It's very uncomfortable. But there's just been a movement in, in our whole world. Everything is evolving and it's more openly talked about now, which... I'm capitalizing off that. Like, let's talk about it. It's an uncomfortable situation. Nobody wants to talk about it, especially when I'm talking with 11 year olds and up, like their moms are kind of like, Oh, I'm scared to talk about it. I'm like, your girls need to know this. 12 year old. You is thanking them. A hundred percent. And I tell them that I'm like, I was literally sitting in a room just literally actually looked just like this. And I was 12 years old. And I said, I thought it would never happen to me. And thank goodness. Someone was brave enough to talk about it. Do you think Utah has anything to do with that? Yes. 100%. 100%. See, that's the part that's ringing in my brain right now is when you first told that, you know, told me that or told us that you had the shame thing. It's just like how much of that was, you know, because a lot of our background uh-huh. feeling ashamed that, you know, somebody touched your body or somebody, right. you know, it was, was that a part of it? Um, Culturally, yes. I right. think it escalates a little i think naturally no matter what religion are you believe in you will naturally feel shame when something like this happens because you know it was wrong and it you know what well, I, mean? I mean just look at the whole me too movement uh-huh. right? how many people are now coming out because they finally feel comfortable about right. it right yeah so I, I think the culture definitely plays a part in it mm-hmm. but i do think that is yeah i wouldn't say it's like everywhere. the forefronter but cultural does help and and still even here in utah there is a cultural, I can't even say that word. Cultural. 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 <laughs> you guys now know Rowad. I have an associates. My Rowad. husband makes fun of me all the time. He's like, you only have an associates. I'm like, you didn't even graduate from high school. <laughs> yeah, he did, but barely. Packets. Anyways, um, <laughs> which is take, funny because he's that. like, you know, he's very successful and he's That's always right. like, nobody knows that I had to do packets. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, they don't need to know that, honey. <laughs> Anyways, 
what was I saying? Oh, like here in Utah also there's this um, idea that for whatever reason, basic, mostly because of our um, religion, that we're safer than other people. 100%. And that that's, you know, hearing you say that people, you know, are really concerned about your dialogue. It, it does drive me kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like ignorance is bliss. Right. Like if we don't talk about it, then it's not going to happen. And that is something, you know, I'll see that sometimes with, with, pretty close people in my life that are just like, are you sure we want to talk about that? I'm uh-huh. like, wait, are you kidding me? hundred like, percent. You've got to, you've got to talk about it. Like otherwise yeah. they're not going to be ready for it. But we do have this tendency here to just, you know, if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. And that's just silly. Right. I do think it's kind of interesting because my mom, if you knew Melaine, you guys, she, we weren't allowed to say fart. It was fluff. Yeah, that's my, that was my house. You know, she's the typical Malay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally the opposite And then she direction. had this one kid, Robin, who's like <laughs> farting on Instagram. <laughs> and like literally in my bio, one of my lines says, embarrassing my mom on the daily. Every day she's like, Robin, I can't believe you posted that. Like, so I feel like it's kind of interesting that it happened to me because I was always the person who just say it how it is. Because I've met other people who have similar stories and they don't share because they don't like, to, it's uncomfortable to talk about. And I'm like, of course it had to be me. I freaking fart on camera all the time and like, I'll just say it, you know? And so it's, it's not uncomfortable for me. And so right. I get that it is for other people, but why it's right. so important. Well, and, and I agree. The, the other thing I really wanted to touch on is even still, even now there's still a taboo and probably worse here than other places about therapy. Oh my gosh. Like everyone should get, like you change the oil in your car. You should go to therapy. Like marriage counselor, I tell every new couple that's getting married, like, here's my one bit of advice. Go to a marriage counselor three times a year. And Before, fight naked. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it, like even you at that age, right? You did not want to go. So I had the same thing. My yeah. parents divorced and all my little brothers and sisters ended up going to therapy. And I was like, I was older. I was 16 or 17 when it happened. And for 10 years, I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Uh-huh. Until someone finally like forced me into it, my wife, right? Yeah. And then I realized just how much trauma I had in there. 100%. And why do you think that is so taboo here? And what advice would you give to people about therapy? Or maybe say how, you know, how much it helped you. So that's kind of funny. So therapy was huge in my healing. And I tell people to go to therapy. I direct them to specific places to go. But just three weeks ago, so I just had a baby. He's three weeks old. The last couple months of my pregnancy, I started getting really bad anxiety that I was going to pass away during childbirth. Like very, 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 very bad anxiety. And I couldn't discern if it was um, like warnings from the spirit. Because I feel like I'm very in tune with what I call my spirit. And so I was like, am I like being prepped that I'm going to die? Or is this anxiety? And I couldn't decide. And it got, got bad. Like I would like wrote letters to my family and I would like think about like my funeral. I mean, crazy, right? You can't control anxiety. That's a real thing. So I told my husband, it didn't help that he's like, I think you're going to die too. And I'm like, I'm dying. (laughs) Like hundred percent. Packets packets is a dick. Yeah. uh huh. So then I finally told my OB because I'm like, if I'm dying on that table, I want him to be prepared. So I told him and I'm like, I, he's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. And I just broke down. I'm like, I'm really convinced I'm going to die. He's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just keep feeling this overwhelming feeling and Johnny feels it too. So like, I'm definitely going to (laughs) die. 
And he, you know, he told me, he's like, you need to go talk to Sarah. I'm like, is Sarah a shrink? He's like, Sarah's a shrink. And I, I was even embarrassed. Like I was like, I don't need to talk to Sarah. And I've been through this and right. I tell people to go. My initial thing was like, I'm fine, doc. I'm fine. As I'm like hiding my manifesto letters. Like I'm like, I'm totally fine. <laughs> it was so bad. So I finally went. And actually what's kind of cool is now in Obi's office, they have therapists that work there like in-house probably because because cool. postpartum and prepartum is a real thing so i w- got to walk in and i everyone just thought i was getting a belly check but i was really going to see a shrink like i didn't feel weird anymore and i naturally even felt embarrassed and i like this is what i do and it went away quickly and I'm, right when i started talking to her i was like oh my gosh and i felt amazing after and i didn't die and i'm here to tell you that therapy's great but i naturally felt weird about it again Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And everyone does. And so I think the important thing is recognizing it and putting it down. Right. I think you'll always have it. I think it's natural for everyone to kind of not want to because mm-hmm. you can want to fix it yourself. Right. You know? Yeah. But I think being able to recognize that and put it down and then move forward is huge. Yeah. But I, I again, I think it might just be a natural thing because I have been through therapy multiple times. I've been through marriage counseling. I tell people, but I still, my initial response was embarrassment and also like I can do it myself I agree you know and I think culturally like if you look at it sounds like we all come from the same place you know religion wise Mm -hmm. right we have this tendency to think that I just need to pray about it God can help me but what people forget is that God is helping us through other people Right. You know what I mean? I like, love that. Those are the tools. I would say in my life, the most prevalent way that God has shown himself in helping me is through the people he's put in my life, right? Yeah. And so why not use the tools that are here? That's how we have to look at things, right? right. Like this person could offer up some advice that could help me. You know, I, I had an employee like four, four years ago. She was probably 19 years old. And she was freaking out about she was engaged, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, just, you need to go see a therapist. And she looked at me like I was the biggest moron on <laughs> earth. Like, like what? listen, like God can help me with this. I'll be fine. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, you stupid teenager. For real. But that's the wrong reaction. That's not going to help anybody. <laughs> like actually like take that step and, and go talk to somebody. But right. it doesn't, we, I think everybody, I, I think it doesn't matter where you live. We, we all kind of naturally worry about what other people think about totally. us. But it's funny, the guy that I go see. You know, he's our marriage counselor, but I also go see him by myself. Yeah. He's an adult recovery, which mostly specializes in sexual assault, recovery, and porn addiction. Right. And it's so funny. I sit in that waiting room like, oh, geez. There's other people in there. I'm like, yep. Everyone's looking at me like I'm the addicted to porn guy. Uh Uh-huh. And (laughs) (laughs) it's funny that I still have that concern. But but I've I've had so much benefit from it that I really don't give a damn. Right. It's like you, you all, you know. You can pretty much look at any guy and know that they've struggled with that at some point 100%. in their life. So we're all, you know, we're all on yeah. the same team. But we do need to get past worrying about what other people, you know, think about us and share. And if we're sharing, it's just like your story. Like you can help so many people by having the guts to share. Right. And obviously that's why your Instagram's done. That's what Anna is teaching all of us, right? Yeah. Is to just be, be real. A fly on the wall is a great way to put it. Like, yeah. Anyway, I, I think that those two things kind of stood out to me when you were talking about them as these are things that need to be talked about. Absolutely. And, you know, and then the third thing is that kind of goes along the same lines as the first thing I brought up is your social media post with the self-defense program mm-hmm. or the self-defense tips. 
not getting as many views. Why do you think that is? I think people run from real. Okay. 100%. Like, they just, I, I don't, and I'm still trying to figure it out because I'm like, do they not feel the passion and the importance? Which, no, they don't because it's passionate to me. Right. But it, by far, like, if you were to see my analytics for all my posts, like, viral, 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 not as cool. Not as cool. Not as cool. And I'm like, it sometimes gets me a little frustrated. I'm like, they're not getting any of this knowledge. And I'm like, that's not why you're doing it. Give it freely. It'll help someone, right. even just one person. And I know it has because I have people tell me all the time that it has. But it's interesting that it doesn't get as much love. Is it? Does it go back to ignorance is bliss? Like, probably. If I don't watch it, then it won't happen. Or yeah, like it's a, it's a. You know, I do stuff with OUR. You know, Operation oh, Underground, Underground yeah. Railroad, yeah. and it's amazing how many people don't want to watch those movies uh-huh. and those films because it's almost like I don't want to know that kids are being kidnapped or right. sold for drugs oh, and yeah. shipped all over the world for the sex trade. Like, totally. It, you know, it, which is just so sad. I still think it comes back to like, you don't think it's going to happen to you. Cause even my own sisters, my own closest friends don't follow my tips. They're mm-hmm. the ones running alone. I'm like, are you for reals? Like, I already went through this. Like one in four. I'm the one in four. So four of you are safe, but the other four, like, are you for real? And it's not one in four. It's either. not one in four. Yeah. I see women running on that damn Provo trail. All the time. All the time. Like I'll be in Walgreens, right? I'll be at the Walgreens drive through picking up a prescription and I'll just see a girl running down and, and then she disappears because there's so much damn uh-huh. overgrowth. Oh yeah. There. People get hurt there and all the like, time. I think that trail is in the news every three weeks for something happening. I know. I don't get why. I really don't get why. Well, <sighs> even like I'll see people in the morning that a woman by herself with a headlamp on. It's uh-huh. like you have to wear a headlamp so you can see right. and you feel comfortable on your own in the street. I mean, how easy is it going to be to swipe up next to you and uh-huh. you're gone? Well, that happened I up see, in Alpine yeah, last year. I see people yeah, right? all Very the time. area. Like, like you even in my it. own area and I want to pull over and be like, get in the car. But then they're like, <laughs> no. Do you know what's funny yeah. is I had that thought the other day. Like this is going to sound horrible, but I'm just keeping it real. Like yeah. I seriously wanted like to pull Ross up on next friends. to Taya, my 12-year-old, <laughs> yeah. in a van, right? yank her in it and just see what happens. Get the crap out of her, 100%. It, like it, it, you almost, I told Ashley this a few years back. Is like, would it be, wouldn't it be interesting if you could get about forty parents from Ridgeline Elementary to give us permission, right? Sign a waiver, social experiment, a social experiment, <laughs> and go and try to kidnap their kids. No, actually, you know what I mean. Just as like a role playing type, like just to teach. Well, I right? role play that with my own kids. Do you really? A hundred percent. I love it. No, that's like that's actually it. like a tip. You're really supposed to do that. that see, and I to me that seems like I don't so come in with like a mustache. And they're like, "Mom, like I'm not mom. I'm Merv. <laughs> Merv the molester." <laughs> not that far, but like we like role play. Well, like, of course, that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. Is to me, it's like it made so much sense in my brain. And my wife looked at me like, "You are nuts." <laughs> I totally do with you. Let's. Well, do that's it. what I'm saying. I think it would just be like obviously it's going to happen. It's just. If I pull up, slide the van door open, grab a person. Like, what are they going like, to do? What are they going to do? And I'll of tell course, you what it stops do. there. Yeah. But, but man, you want, you really want people to start taking. I, I think that we have to figure out a way to get people to pay more attention to that stuff. I agree. And Hopefully, watch just it. the more people that talk about it, the more people right. will take it serious. Yeah. The more people that listen, the you more know, people that are exposed. 100%. And I wonder if there's a way to preface because how many people are clicking on, you know, because the way your Instagram's laid out, mm-hmm. all your tips shoot right Line down the middle, down the, which yep. is so cool. Mm-hmm. But I almost wonder if there's like an intro 
that you could give the same thing to every one of them. I know. I'm a survivor of sexual assault. Yeah. I've done all of this. Here's my credentials for self-defense. Here's my tip for today. So in my you know? bio, it used to be like this. It used to be like you fight were the last words I thought before I lost consciousness. And I had it was like and and then when I changed it to like, I'm a mom, I own a business. Then like more people like, oh, she's relatable. So I'm trying to still find the balance. The balance right. Um, but I agree. I get a ton of DMs like, what's your story? What's your story? What's your story? You so just I, went through like a big, huge uh, Yeah. Thing. So I finally did that. I'm like, I'm going to save these in the dang highlights because I have people ask all the time. Now and just send it to the podcast. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, you want the real story? That actually, I actually am. This actually Well, some came people the have done time. that with it. Like, For sure. 100%. Yeah. Kim White, Kim Can Kick It, she's, she's sent people back every few weeks. So like, if you really want to hear my yeah. story- Here's the link. Go yeah. listen to the podcast. Because if you've been around a long time, you know. But if you're new, you you might not understand what the heck we're talking about. Right. And so I, tr- I try to, th- you know, make it clear. But I don't always want to be talking about my story either. I want to give the tips. Like, that doesn't matter. I want to exactly. tell you. Exactly. You know, but, you know, back to your, do I even have credentials? I've never, ever, ever thought, like, I'm not qualified to do this until this week. This is the really? first time I've ever had self-doubt. This week? This week. Literally this week, I'm getting ready to do something um, that's big and we had to invest a lot of money in it and now it's going to be a lot of time and it's all based around self-defense and I'm like, shiz. Yes, it's another thing we get to hear off camera. Yeah. Exclusive, exclusive. Yeah. And I'm like, shiz, like, am I really qualified? Like, I don't have a master's in this. And imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. And my husband's like, you don't, Look you have you an experience. You survived it. I've learned so many things from Andrew Van Buren. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so I feel really confident in like the self-defense, but I, I also talk about like, home invasion um because i i've worked i have worked with local law enforcement right a lot and so i've learned you know like internet safety home safety kid safety and so sometimes when i branch out to things that weren't directly with like running safety or that type of stuff i'm like i don't i don't know that i feel qualified but just today i had imposter syndrome and as am i as i was walking out the door my husband's like just remember you don't need a degree he's like you have experience well i was like exactly right no, you've lived yeah. through it. You know, I almost wonder if having law enforcement on once in a while on your tips would be kind of cool. Yeah. I'm sure there, there's lots of cops that would give you some oh, love to too. sit there yeah. in a video with you for 30 seconds to just totally. You know, what's kind of fun is actually, and this I should. You need to make this. the Ross Unagi videos. Do you watch Friends? Um, yes. Okay. That would be when he hilarious. had the Unagi, and he was trying. He went to self defense classes, and he was like. How do I attack women? How do I attack women? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. He was trying to get Rachel yes. and Phoebe. So he went and, and the guy was like, Wait, what? Wait, what? He's like, No, no, no. Not the not how do you defend yourself? How do I how attack them? <laughs> what? Okay, that would be hilarious. And I he's actually like, Unagi. Unagi. <laughs> yes. When I was first attacked, and I should probably credit this to some of my um uh what's it called? Therapy when I like Therapist? No, like What's the word when you get better? Recovery. 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 There, there we go. go. Sorry. Um, you got me thinking about friends. <laughs> um, I got hired on with the police department to be a drug and alcohol sting. Lucky. Yes. I went, to the, I went to the local junior high and I was, I posed as a junior high student for three months to try to buy drugs. And do you guys want to know what happened? So I like, 
there if there's two kids that we were trying to pin and they were the student body presidents isn't that sad they were the ones selling the drugs it was your husband me. back in the day it was i'm yep. like i can't do this to him look how far like, he's do you come. want red man yeah. do you want copenhagen yeah exactly pouches for reals so i like went to their classes and i was only 18 at the time so i still kind of looked like a junior higher they're probably like her boobs are way bigger than everyone else's <laughs> <laughs> like there's this new girl in yeah. school no really they picked like i had a whole story like she, they kept my name Robin Williams, which was funny at the end wow. of the story. Um, so I kind of groomed these kids. And on the day I was going in to buy drugs, they have me wiretapped, you guys. I'm at the locker and they're like, and all of a sudden it's like, abort, come out, come out. I'm like, what's wrong? They come out, they're like, your mom called. She said you can't do this. Oh, my mom had what? gotten wind because I didn't tell her. I was still at college and she would have freaked if she knew I was buying drugs. And so <laughs> she found out. And she called the police chief and she was like, you better get my daughter out of that school. She's like, I know you're not trying to find the local drug dealers. You're trying to find the people who sell it to those kids. Anyways, it was, it was hilarious. I was literally was like, can I have some X? Ex- oh, hold on. I got to go. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I walk out and they're like, your mom, your mom says no. And I'm, I'm still upset about my mom with that. Oh I was so gosh, close. That's hysterical. So yeah, I've worked with law enforcement and I, te- I taught the rad class um, with a local, with the Linden city police actually right. for a long time. And so I've been thinking, there's one officer, Officer John Lloyd, do you guys know him? That I love. And we were going to just do this big, huge thing recently, but he just tore his knee or something. So I will have to get some back on. So wrapping up, what would you say is like the one thing you want someone to walk away with? Ooh. Could it be two things? Sure. It can be as many things as you want. Okay. I would tell them if they have ever been through something already and they've never told anybody that it is never too late if it was last week two weeks ago five weeks ago 45 years ago it's never too late to find help it's never too late to get justice that's the biggest thing is it's never too late and i've got to witness firsthand people who kept this secret or kept this huge weight for years and because of talking to me they were able to let it go and it's like one of the coolest things ever so it's never too late and then on the flip side i want to tell people don't live in fear don't live in anxiety. This is kind of what, this is how I always preface when I teach my lectures. Let's see if you guys pass the quiz. Do you guys know who Chesley Solenberger is? Uh-uh. Do you know the name Sully? From the movie Monsters? That's what everyone says, but no. So on January 5th, 2009, Chesley Solenberger the, well, landed. The pi- the I was going to say, so, so I thought Sully the pirate. Okay. Isn't that funny? I'm like, I don't want to sound dumb, so I'm not going to say You should have said it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. So this is how I always Tom started. Tom popped into my head. Yeah. <laughs> He landed the plane in the Hudson River and saved all those lives. And here's why. When he was in flight school, he was trained in every bad scenario. A bird strike, an engine fail, all these horrible things that would never likely happen to him. But he was prepared. This is just like self-defense. We're not here to strike fear in your heart. We're not here to make you paranoid. We're giving you insurance. We hope you never have to use it. But you have it in your arsenal and you're going to be prepared. And that makes you... 10 times less of a target and 10 times smarter. Holy cow, that's powerful. Because when you buy life insurance, you don't walk around thinking you're going to die. You buy it just in case something happens to you. Right. Absolutely. That's such a great thing. Every single one of us in here have insurance, right? Are we worried about getting in a car accident on the way home? No. Well, my wife's driving. Right, right, right. It's circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's how we relate it. Like, there's always a, it's always good to have a little spark of flame of, of fear. It actually keeps you a little safer. Oh, but the I second totally that turns that. into a wildfire, you got to put it out. Yeah. Well, I think that's the hard thing for people. Like I like staying informed, but it's funny how much I'm ignoring news now because it just gets me riled up. And then it gets to the point where all I'm doing is posting about it. And yeah. It, it Sometimes it is hard for people to find balance. And 
and I think it's probably even trickier in this, you know, with this subject because it's like I don't even want to think about it because right. it scares me to death. But totally. what you just said is like, if if you never want it to happen to you, why not give yourself a more likelihood that it a won't? A lot higher likelihood that right. it won't. You know, because you are being more aware of it, and if so you're more and aware, as parents more too, like yeah. you know, we pump out some kids here in Utah, right? So I think that it is really important to have that. It's not just about the sex talk anymore, right? Like if you've got daughters and mm-hmm. even, I mean, even, even sons, sons now. It's, happen- like it's it, happening to both. It's uh, happening. It's, it's it not. is happening yeah. to both now. Like yeah. you have to feel safe and having that discussion and just realize that, hey, by talking about it, I am dropping the likelihood of, right. of my kid being that victim. A hundred percent. And people always say, how do you talk about it without causing fear? And I say, well, typically if you don't know something about a subject, it makes you nervous. Right. If you talk about it all the time, like it's normal conversation in your house, your kid will not be nervous about it. Do you talk about fire escape routes in your house? Probably. So why aren't you talking about maybe potentially what you should do if your uncle touches you inappropriately? My kids do not blink an eye. It's totally normal subject. You tell them to wear their seatbelts. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's it's just, it's like every other thing. You have a fire plan. You have a seatbelt. You have insurance. Why, why is everyone so weird about it? Well, I think everybody directly or indirectly knows it's like cancer, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I have a cousin whose kids were, I mean, this was in Kaysville, and his kids were close ward family friend for years, and two doors down, they would just kind of take turns watching kids. Right. The guy ended up molesting his daughter, and this is definitely somebody that you would not want to, like, the wrong dad, right? Like, right. my cousin is, he's he's got a temper, he's a big dude, like, you don't miss it him. took everybody to keep him in the house when right. he found out because oh, it was I like gun was in his hand mm-hmm. but it's it's funny like i know somebody that close that has had that scenario that you think would never happen to you happen so it's actually more likely that it's going to happen in your circle of trust right. than oh, any one, other i would stranger. totally agree with that like i just got to go speak at the children's justice center in provo and it's i got to actually speak with their detective and all of their therapists like they have master degrees that was kind of like i was like you sure you want me to talk? Like I literally have an associates on science. <laughs> Anyways, it was really cool that they thought I had enough information. And then they came up after and said that was so helpful, but they were, they deal, they literally deal with people on a daily basis of children who are sexually assaulted, abused and molested here. And it's, I think it was like 87% is in your trusted circle. Wow. Like people, you know, Wow. so everyone pay attention to it follow Robin, keep doing what you're doing. And we even talked about it. We're going to do something cool where every, so this will be released. And then every day we're going to release our own little tip that yeah. Robin's going to do like a tip for the nitty gritty crew. I oh, love that's awesome. it. And so we're going to do a tip every day. And I hope more people listen. I hope more people invite you to come and speak to them. Anyone that's involved in youth, pay attention to this stuff. It's important. So Robin, thanks for coming on. This has been thank you so much. Thank this you, has been I so appreciate good. it. I think we'll need to do another one of these because I, 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 I'm sure there's a lot that we. Oh, there's a lot, and I want you guys to learn to meet from you, especially in the the Sasquatch. Yeah, Sasquatch. You <laughs> could join the husband roundtable. Yeah. That we that we keep talking about. Yeah. You guys should get them all here. So no, very very cool, very powerful. We really appreciate you coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.